Okay. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Michael. Okay, so we are on the bottom of Ches Summit Bays, 8B, and uh, we're talking about the halacha mentioned in the Mishnah of um, you're not supposed to schedule weddings for the holiday. And the question is, why not? So uh, we're going to see there's multiple answers, and depending on those answers, uh, we'll see what the differences are. Let's begin the Gemara again on, um, on 8b. So we said that, uh, uh, that uh, a wedding is a celebration. So why is that a problem? That's a good thing that people are happy. You want to be happy on a holiday, so you would think that's a good thing to have a wedding on a holiday. The reason is that you don't want to mix one celebration with another. A wedding is a certain type of celebration. They're celebrating the union of those two, and they're celebrating the... Uh, and uh, a, a, uh, a holiday is a different kind of celebration. And each one deserves its own celebration. You don't mix the two. Interesting. I saw one opinion says that you won't do justice to either one when you do two. Correct. That's right. That's right. 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 So you'll see. We'll see. Right. In other words, the can you do it? Uh, the next question that's, that we're going to lead to is: Can you do it the day before? Can you have it on Friday? Okay. Can you have it on Erev Yantav? But anyway, we're talking about on Yantav itself, we don't mix. He says, even if you could do it, he says that you're not going to put time in the festival, you're going to put more time into one's wife. That's really what, what Rav taught. Celebrate the holiday, don't celebrate your new wife. So again, it's basically the same idea that you're not, um, you won't celebrate the holiday well. Ula gives a totally different reason. Ula says, Mishneha Torah, two lines from the bottom. He says, uh, wedding's a lot of work. You know, in the old days, if you made a wedding and you were inviting the guests, you had to feed them. So you were shechting the animals, you were doing the cooking, uh, and then the couple, you, you, know, you were sewing their, their, uh, their pillowcases and their blankets, and you were getting them all ready. And it was a lot of work. And you don't, you're not supposed to do work on Yantuf. Uh, it takes away from the holiday. He says an interesting thing. He said that if people could get married on Yantuf, uh, they won't, they'll delay weddings. They'll make, they'll, everybody would have a wedding on Yantuf and do a two-for-one. Uh, meaning that they'll celebrate their wedding on Yontif, and this way they'll have a Passover Seder, and they'll have a wedding meal, and they won't have to do two. They'll have the family there already. And the prob- what's the problem with that? that? Really, you could do that, but he's saying that you never want people to delay weddings. You want people to get married at the first opportunity and, and uh, have children, but uh, you don't want people to delay, uh, delay weddings. And so delaying weddings means ultimately delaying having children, even if it's for a few months, a month or two. And so therefore, uh, they, they didn't allow people to do that. Rashi says a very interesting Rashi, last Rashi on the page, Mishun Bito Rivya. He says, If, if they would permit such a thing, Nobody would choose to get married year-round. 
And this way you could do one meal. Either they had very big yantif meals or they had very small wedding meals, right? Because they, they could do two for one. They could do one meal for both. Um, I think their weddings were not the same as our weddings where you invite the, you know, as large. I think they had ex- just extended family. At the same time, yeah. Mesve, it's actually, if somebody has like a wedding right before Pesach, it's like they don't have strength to make Pesach afterward. You know, it's a, they're, they're done. They're knocked out. They need a vacation. That's it. So, okay. Mesve, the more has a question. The last line on yesterday's page. All those people, all those weddings, the first wedding, the second wedding, uh, all those the ones that we said that you can't have on Yantuf, Mutter Lisa Erev Regal. You are allowed to do it, as Pete pointed out. You're allowed, just like we don't have weddings on Shabbos, but you can have it on Friday. And um, that's a little tricky because then you could use the, you get married beforehand and you have the actual meal, but you're allowed to get married on the, on the day before. Erev Yantuf, you could schedule the wedding. And uh, uh, in the poor countries, that's how they used to do it. This way, you could use the Shabbos meal for, you'd schedule the wedding for Friday, and you'd have the Friday night meal would be also the wedding meal. So uh, the question is, how does this fit Kasha Lakula? Doesn't this contradict all those reasons we gave not to have the wedding on the festival? So the more now is going to explain each opinion. Uh, uh, top line, uh, kasha, low Kasha. They can all be explained. According to the one that you can't mix your joy, uh, he says the main simcha is one day, is the wedding itself. It's pretty, Shavabrokes are happy, but they're not like the wedding. So therefore, as long as you had the wedding the day before, so then you're, you're not mixing that with the chag. Uh, so that, and according to the one, it's a lot of work. The main work is the is the wedding. It's not the shavuot. It's the wedding. It's the main work. And according to the one, the people will all push off getting married till the holidays. People aren't going to put off uh, if they only have one possibility. See, we were talking about getting married any of the of any of the days of Yantuf. But if you only have one day, people won't push off because um, it'll be too hard to get that one day. Maybe the, uh, um, uh, if, if the things won't work out and then they won't be able to get married, we're saying that for one day they're not going to go to that trouble. There is a Rashi. Uh, let's see, Rashi, two lines from the top. Lechad yom lo mashi klomar. Another Rashi that says klomar. Kivin she'en yochel lahasko. Good morning, Dr. Yafi. We're in Rashi, two lines from the top, three lines from the top. Since you can only begin a wedding, uh, Ella, you can't have it on the holiday, only the day before, nobody's going to wait. There'll be some reason that you can't do it right before the holiday. And you'll never get that wedding in. And so, uh, therefore, all these reasons uh, uh, don't apply. So, um, basically, you could have a wedding the day before a holiday. So... Uh, We'll see who has the next era of Pesach wedding. <laughs> You're going to have, uh, what are they going to have at the meal? They're going to have, uh, <laughs> that's right. They're going to have the, 
What are those coconut things that they're going to have? The uh, oh, uh, they're going to have macaroons at the uh, at the wedding if they're going to have an Arab Pesach wedding, but uh, but they're allowed because uh, that all the problems are on the day itself. Okay, so where did we get the concept before that you don't mix one joy with another? Some, I mean, you would think maybe that's a good thing. So the more it brings the proof. We learn it out from Shlomo HaMelech. Very interesting episode now that we're going to explain. And that's the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash. It says like this. So when Shlomo HaMelech built the Beis HaMikdash, he invited Klau Yisrael uh, to celebrate. This was a celebration for the whole Jewish people. And everybody came up for the inaugural. And it coincided with uh, the, the Yami Naroim, with, uh, with uh, the high holidays that year. So everybody came up, uh, and they came up, You can't imagine what having the whole Jewish people in Yerushalayim would look like. Right? Every, everybody was there. Uh, the, I, I don't think, I think most of the wives and the children stayed home, but at least all of the able-bodied males came up. I was thinking it would be like that. Did you go to the Met Stadium? Yes, it, yes. I mean, that's, that's what came to my mind. I'm a little bit ahead right now. Just masses and masses of yeah, people, right, right. right? So it says they were there for two times of seven days, seven days. Shivas Yom and Shivas Yom are for 14 days total. And, um, and why was it? Because they, they were there of the, the seven days before Sukkot. And then uh, they, once they were there, they, they, uh, they spent the first regal at the base of Igdush where the seven days of Sukkot. Now, that's a long time to be off work, 14 days. So the Gemara's question is, If you were allowed to mix the two, They should have done a two-for-one and celebrated Sukkot and the inaugural at the same time, if you're allowed to do such a thing. Clearly, and that would have been much preferred, to, you know, only a week off from work. to do. Why did they have to double up and do 14 days? Clearly, the reason was because of Ein Marvin Simcha B'Simcha. Um, so then Moore says, the Dilma... There would, there would have been Robert Stein. Mm-hmm. There would have been Ephraim Kippur, obviously. Yes, that's correct. There's no conflict with that? We're going to talk about it. Okay, uh, that's... Uh, but that's another problem. In other words, for the seven days before Sukkot, you're going to get Yom Kippur in there. But the, the first question is, why didn't they double up? Uh, and the answer is, Ain Marvin Simcha Simcha. So the Gemara said, Vidilmar, well, maybe it's true, Minter lo uh, The uh, Maybe the problem was the Beis Migdash was finished. And if it was finished, you can't just not open and push off the opening for seven days. The Korbanos need to be brought. Dilma, maybe the reason why they couldn't push it off is you can't bump up, you can't just play with dates. Minter low, minter, maybe you're not allowed to wait. The Heikid, but if for some reason it worked out that way, you'd be allowed. In other words, what's the proof? Maybe the reason they did it seven days early because the base English was finished already. So Lemoris says, that's not a problem. They could have left something out. They could have worked it out that they weren't finished. Very easy to have a job not fully finished. What job is ever fully finished? <laughs> they could have left out a little bit. So the Gemara says, You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to leave out, you know, slow work, uh, you know, one of the final jobs of the Beis HaMikdash. The Gemara says, well, in other words, something holy, you can't delay doing it. The sooner you could bring those karbanos, the better. The world needs them. So the Gemara says, well, Iboy Lishuri Ba'amakalya. 
you could have gotten rid of the uh, the scarecrow. Uh, basically, they uh, the problem was uh, the uh, you had a lot of meat in the base of Migdush, and uh, you had a lot of animal shechted, and birds know how to smell. Uh, they got they can smell from miles away, and so they had a bird problem. Um, and you know, especially if you have black hats, you don't want to get bird white stuff on your hat. So they had to engineer the roof of the base of Migdush that it wouldn't be friendly for the birds. So what they did was they made it like pointy. They had like pointed things on the roof so that the birds wouldn't um, settle on the roof. So those pointed roofs, they could have like left part of that. That wasn't such a holy part of the base of Migdush. That was a practical part. Uh, and in fact, when, uh, when we were worthy of it, the birds didn't fly over, you know. But you can't always rely on miracles, so they built the, uh, the Amakalia. So the Lord says, well, couldn't the construction people have left over the Amakalia? Uh, were it to prevent the birds there. Uh, so the Morris says that, uh, one second, Lishuri Ba'amakalya, Orev, couldn't it left, left over the bird spikes on the roof? So the Morris answers, Amakalya Orev, the bird spikes for the ravens, Sorok Binyan Abayasu. That's part of the building. I mean, the roof is holy also. Um, so, uh, Ella, so we're back to the drawing board. What's the proof? Um, is this the way you derive leaving a piece of your house open so that it's never complete? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, that yeah, that, that's oh, right. Here we're talking about uh, why couldn't why did they have to celebrate the inaugural seven days early? Couldn't they have just waited for Sukkot and celebrated it together? So we're saying because you can't mix the simcha, and we said, well. Maybe the reason was that they finished. And they, you know, when you're finished, you guys said, well, couldn't they just slow work it? And so we're saying you can't slow work it. Because there's an extra pasuk. It said 14 days. We know 14 is shivis yami v'shivis yami v'lamali. Why does it say seven and seven? Shmamina hani l'chud v'hani l'chud. You see that sukkus is different from the inaugural. Each one needs its own space. Um... As Rashi says, You can't do them together. So you see from here that in the planning for the biggest occasion, the biggest party there ever was, they couldn't mix Sukkot with the inaugural. This is Rabbi Frank. We talked about him before. Rabbi Frank. Now, in general, we're on the subject of the uh, inaugural of the Beis Hamikdash, which was a very unique event. So now he's going to tell us something. He says, that year, lo asu Yisro, it's Yom Kippurim. He said they skipped Yom Kippur that year. No complaints, believe it or not. In other words, the people were there celebrating, and they said, well, what are we going to do? Tonight's Yom Kippur. They said, ah, forget about it. We're in the middle of the, of the celebration. Now, the people were a little bit worried, and they said, maybe that was a bad call. Maybe the idea to skip Yom Kippur, Hashem isn't happy with. So Yatsis Abaskol, a voice came out from heaven and said, Everybody's going to get the world to come. Don't worry, no worries. Uh, so my Dorish. So uh, how did they know that they could skip Yom Kippur that year? Uh, you, the, the rabbis that made that decision, what did they base it on? So the answer is they found it in the Torah. They said like this. They said, My Mishkan. And this is why the Kavachomer is logic. Whenever you use logic, you should be worried because sometimes there's other logic that changes or there's better logic than what you have. 
But he says that Kavuchomer my Mishkan she'en kedusha kedusha solem. They had a Mishkan. They had a tabernacle before the base of Migdash, and the tabernacle was not a super duper holy forever kind of thing. It was temporary. It's not kedusha solem. The korban yachid docha Shabbos. And they were allowed to bring korbanos on Shabbos, even private korbanos. The Easter skila and Shabbos is something. If somebody violates the Shabbos, they'll be stoned. And still, the 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 korbanos that they had in the Mishkan could be brought on Shabbos. Mikdash, the base of Mikdash, which is even more holy than the tabernacle, which is holy forever. The korban tibur and its communal offerings. Uh, and Yom Kippur, which is only an onus chorus, which is not, you don't get stoned for Yom Kippur. You get cut off by the hands of heaven. Not good either, but it's, uh, it's not done by the court. So certainly it would, uh, the, the, uh, the celebration would push, off the, um, uh, would push off Yom Kippur that year. So that's how they knew from the Kabbalah Chomer, if, if the Mishkan, you could violate the Shabbos. So certainly for the Migdash, you could violate Yom Kippur. Gemara says, Elamayodogi, why were they worried? If it was that slam dunk, why did they, uh, they, why were they unsure of themselves? Yeah. yeah. When they're saying, when they make making a comparison of the Mishkan, is that comparing celebration with celebration? Or is that comparing the Korbanas with celebration? Korbanas with celebration. So, I would have gone to the Nesiyah. When you think about it, either Nesiyah Chad Layom, there were 12 Nesiyahs, so one of them came on Shabbos. Yeah, we're going to so get there. We're, we're going to get there. So there was celebration, celebration. You were going to get. We are going to bring from the Nesiyim in a little bit. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm two for two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the Hustam, so why were they worried? Because over there, Surakavoa, you're allowed to bring a Corbin to Hashem. Over here, Surakhedjit. Over here, we're talking about having a party, you know, eating and drinking. That's not, that's not necessarily, that's not apples to apples. Hachanami, the Gemara says, Mevid level. Well, the Gemara says, well, why do they have to do the eating part? Couldn't they celebrate uh, without eating? Mekolo nechlo, lishte, and not drinking. Why couldn't they have the inaugural on Yom Kippur and just uh, no food? So the Gemara says, nah, ain't simcha below achila v'shtiya. We all know that. You can't have a party without food and drink. It doesn't, doesn't work. You can't, you got to have the Kiddush. You can't have, uh, that's, uh, it, it just wouldn't be an inaugural without food and drink. That, that would refute one of the proofs of, of having a wedding meal. You're not exhausted by making the wedding meal air of Shabbos. Uh-huh, that's right. That, that's, that's, yeah. that's right. I, How do you know the Mishkan, how did we know that the Mishkan went even on Shabbos. Maybe they closed on Shabbos. It says the first day, the seventh day. So you see, they brought Karbonos on the seventh day. Uh, maybe that's, um, it's the seventh day of the, Kor- the seventh day of the Korban, but it's not necessarily on Shabbos. Um, uh, let's see, Rashi. Dilma Shvi Karbonos. It's right in the middle of the page. Sheim hikriv nasi shishi be'erev Shabbos makriv. The nasi number six brings on Friday. Nasi number seven, the head of the tribe number seven, maybe he brings on Sunday. I, why does it say the seventh? He's just the seventh person to bring. In other words, the seven there doesn't mean on the seventh day. It means the seventh, uh, seventh inaugural. They might not be consecutive days. They might not be consecutive days. So this is what Richard said. It says the on the 
uh, on the 11th day, my Yom Kulu Ratzuf, uh, each day was consecutive, Af Ashtayasar Kulu Ratzuf. Clearly it was done every day. I, Yom Yamaha maybe it's only business days, maybe not going to lose the Shabbos. Uh, so the Kasav Kurachrina, Yom Shnei Masu Yom, my Yom Kulu, it's one day consecutive, uh, also the 12 days Kulu Matsufim. But maybe it's consecutive days that you're allowed to bring, and maybe they didn't bring on Shabbos. Why do you have two psukim? Clearly they brought on Shabbos. So it, it, we're saying that uh, as much as we're trying to be skeptical, the evidence is that they did celebrate the inaugural of the tabernacle on Shabbos. And how do you know the Beis HaMikdash pushes off Yom Kippur? It says they celebrated for 14. Maybe they took a break. Maybe they only celebrated, they excluded Yom Kippur. So the Gemara says, Gomer Yom Yom Mahasim. They learn out from there each day. So you see that they did, uh, they did uh, push off Yom Kippur on that day. Yes, a voice came out and said, And how do you know uh, that they were forgiven? In other words, they said that they would all get a reward. So we have an idea that uh, sometimes people get the world to come, but they have to stop off first in Gehenna a little while to atone for their... In other words, you get reward for the good things, and you get punished for the bad things. One doesn't, uh, one doesn't fix the other. He's, if a person did something wrong, he's got to fix that. If he, uh, he gets rewarded, they're two separate things. So how do we know that their sin of, of celebrating on Yom Kippur was forgiven? It says that after the holiday, on the eighth day, after everything, everybody went home and they blessed the, the, the king, gave them a bracha, and they went to their tents to make him a tuv leva. Recording the Pasuk. They went to their tents. So what happened is, what, what does it mean they went and they were happy? They went home and they... They had been away from home, so they had been away from their wives. And um, it was like a miracle that their wives were all tahar. None of their wives were d- the wrong time of the month when they came home. So make him shenanim And they were happy because the, when a person connects to Hashem, they feel a happiness. There's this, a feeling of happiness that when a person has a really good davening, there's a certain happiness. Vituvlev, shekol this abro ishto, and each one of them, their wife became pregnant, but Ben Zohar, and they had a boy. I'll call Tova, there was, there was must, I don't know how they had enough Moalim the year later, you know, they had, uh, there was a big run on it. So it was like a sign from Hashem that you did good, was that each one of them, uh, they all get the world to come. So what does it mention David Amalek also? What's going on? They were forgiven that year that they didn't celebrate Yom Kippur. What what was David forgiven? So now there's there's a a background to this. When Shlomo Amalek wanted to bring the Aaron HaKodesh with the Torah inside, the uh, the ark the luchosabris into the migdosh dafkusharim zelizda the base of migdosh had very heavy big gates and they couldn't get them open so shlomo melech omar shlomo esim barbarananus he said twenty four davenings he said twenty four prayers Hashem open the gates for lo nana didn't help 
Pasuk v'yomar su'sharim roshechem. Then he said, open your gates. It didn't help. Kivin sh'omar Hashem elokim al-tashe p'nei mishichecha. He says, do not forget, uh, uh, don't turn me away. I'm your anointed one. Remember, chaste dav, remember your servant David. As soon as he said the word David, David ha-melech, nana. All of a sudden, the gates creaked open. Every, you have to understand, the whole cloud Yisrael was watching. And they were all waiting. This was one of those nervous moments. I mean, here's, you know, everybody's there. Everybody, they skip Yom Kippur that year. And this is the moment they're all waiting for. They're bringing the Aaron into the base Hamikdash, And all of a sudden, the gates won't open. I bet you could hear a pin drop. <laughs> right? You know? And they're waiting. And Shlomo says, no problem, I'll daven. He davens. And again, and again, and again. And they're still waiting. And everybody's like, what's going to happen? And so all of a sudden, they mention Davin HaMelech, and then the gates swing open. David Amelech always had skeptics about him. His whole life, there were people said, he's not so good. So at this moment, when they, everybody understood that the Beis Amigdosh opened only in the schus of David, so their faces turned black, like the bottom of a pot. They were burnt. They were so burnt, uh, those people. And everybody understood that David Amelech was forgiven for his sin. Took a while. In other words, it didn't happen immediately. But with the ultimate uh, bringing down of the Shekinah, David Melech was finally forgiven of of all of his sin. Rabbi Yonasan ben Amasev, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim. So now the Gemara is going to bring a story. Now a little bit of a gadot here. There was two great sages, Rabbi Yonasan ben Asamai and Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim. Interesting thing is, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim means his his parents were converts. They. Uh, um, we had a lot of sages who were either converts or converts. Uh, being a sage was open to anybody. You know, it was a free, free country. So this was Yehudah ben Geirim. Tanu Parshim Nadorim by Rav ben Yochai. They were learning the Parsha of Nadorim by Rav ben Yochai. Very holy man, Rav Shem ben Yochai. That's the... Uh, uh, so if Jemina, they said goodbye, Ba'orta, uh, in the evening. They, they said, we're going back home. Lisapra, uh, and then after breakfast, they said goodbye again. We said goodbye already last night. You yourself taught us. A student that takes leave of his master. And sleeps in the city that same night. So he has to say goodbye again. Because we learn out from the story of the Shlomo Melech, it says, "Shlomo Melech sent them away afterwards." and they blessed the king, the Ksiv, and then the next morning, they sent him away again. What what was going on there? If you're a student who said goodbye to your Rebbe the night before, and you happen to stay in the same city that night, you should say goodbye again. I don't know why. Uh, I just Derek Eretz or something. The, the, the you know you would say well they already said goodbye. They took formal leave, but we learn out from Shlomo Melech that the people at, at we finished the uh, Yantuf at night, so they made Havdalah and Shlomo Melech. They all said goodbye, and then whoever was still there the next morning they went to say goodbye again. That's just the. Uh, that's the nature of it. That's the that's the, the Robert Stein, the difference is in the Shlomo story, it's day eight and day twenty three. With these Rabbanim, it was evening and then the next morning. There's a big gap in time. In Shlomo's case, he stayed the first period 
they said goodbye. They stayed the second period. They say say said goodbye. I thought the goodbye was after the second period. It, well, it says by Yom Hashmini Shalach Hasa'am, and then by Yom Hashmini Vishlosha. So he did it on two different uh, periods. You know, it was a gap. So I don't necessarily learn from Shlomo's case. I understood that eighth day to be the eighth day after Sukkot. That it, it, um, that, that's how I understood it. That was the eighth day after Sukkot. Uh, but I'll have to look into it. I didn't understand there was a gap. Uh, both. Remember, we said they said they stayed for seven days, then there was another seven days. Right, so, so eight this three, eighth day one. was after the second seven days. That's how right. I understood it. Oh, I see. Yeah, he says in the art scroll notes that he learns like that also. And it was the eighth day was not the eighth. It wasn't the day after the first seven. It was the day after the second seven. So it comes out, they said goodbye at Havdallah, and then they went the next morning and said goodbye again. And it's a, okay. uh, My wife's real mockly about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> it takes her a long time to say goodbye. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Yeah, there's something. It's, it's, uh, okay, they insist on those goodbyes. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, it's interesting. Also, it says if you're sleeping in the same town, you know, if you got it, if you left already, you got a night flight. You, so then, what can you do? But if you're there in town and you don't, you know, you, you know, you don't say goodbye again, then you're in trouble. Okay. Amr uh, Levrei. So Rav Bar Yochai said to his sons, "Bnei Adam Halalu, these two rabbis, Anashim Shel Tzurahim, they are people of Tzura. Rashi Klomer Chachamim, they're sages. But I think it means that they are." People of stature. The, you don't run into the two rabbis like this very often. You go get a bracha. You better get a bracha from them. They're going home. They're leaving. Who knows when we'll see them again. So these are very holy people. Get a bracha from them. That's going to be powerful. This is Rav Shem Yochai. You know, he's worried about it. So he sends his son to go get a bracha. So this is a gadita. There's a lot going on here. We don't have a chance to explore it. Because the, the, the question is, why do we need all these details? But uh, the two rabbis were asking contradictions to each other. It says um, that uh, a person should weigh mitzvahs, which mitzvahs, uh, the magal is like a, a scale. A person should put things on a scale and uh, decide person should always weigh which, you know, which thing is, uh, makes more sense. Rashi, Pelos, Magogka, Kloma. Shechel mitzvah, Eze Eza mitzvah gedola, Vasa gedola. Pick the biggest mitzvah. You should always figure out where, there's plenty of good things to do. You know, you could go to this, you could go to that. Pick the biggest one. Do the biggest mitzvah. That's one Pasuk. But another Pasuk says, Orachayim Pen Tiflos. It says, you don't weigh mitzvahs, you just uh, all, you, if mitzvah comes to your hand, you just do it, whether it's big or it's small. So are you supposed to uh, pick mitzvahs or you just do uh, whatever comes to hand? So the more said, lo kasha, mitzvah If uh, someone else could do it, so pick the biggest one. mitzvah If no one else could do it, so then you should do it, then you don't weigh. Uh, you just, certain things, you're the only one who could do, then you don't say, well, this is a small mitzvah. No, you're the man. Uh, Hadr, so that's, that was how they answered that contradiction. And Hadr Yosef, 
they were continuing their discussion. Uh, we turn the page. It says that Torah is more precious than precious jewels. It says, and uh, nothing is equal to Torah, but it, but other holy things, you can stop learning Torah to do other mitzvahs. And then it says, that nothing equals that either in other mitzvahs. So the question is, is Torah, does Torah trump other mitzvahs or does it not? So if someone else could do it, someone else could do that mitzvah, you keep learning Torah. If there's a mitzvah that no one else could do, so then Torah, um, basically there uh you make choices in life when you have choices. You don't have to be the one to do it. Someone else could do it. But when they, you're the only one who could do it, so then you've got to do it. So the, that's what their discussion. Uh, so Amrla, all of a sudden, they noticed that Rav Shimon Bar Yochai's son was there. So they said, my boy, what are you doing here? Amrlu, Amrli Abba, my father said, Zil Gabai, my father said, I should go to you, Divrachucha, that we should get a bracha. So it could be that he thought that they were annoyed that he was, uh, he was there. He was like standing around a long time. But they didn't notice he was there. So Amrlei. So this was their bracha. Yehei rava de tizra You should plant, but not harvest. Tile, you should go out and not come back. You should go in and not go out. Likra Your house should be destroyed. And you should stay in the inn. Your table should get messed up. You shouldn't see a new year. So, when they came into their father, they said, Father, not only did we get a bracha, we got a, they, they, we got a curse. Didn't sound good. So, my Omerlan, what, what did they tell you? Hachi vahachi. He said, oh, they were speaking, uh, they, they, were, they were giving you a bracha. So, Omerli, Omerle, Hanakula Birchasaninu, those are brachas. Let's explain. Tizra, you should have seeds below text that not bring in. Tolid Banim, you should have children below Yamusu, and the children shouldn't die. In those days, the mortality rate was, you know, the, uh, the, you, should, you should have children that they should survive. Ta'il, they should go out and not bring back. Ta'il Kalasa, bring in daughters in law. And your son shouldn't die, the lefik, that the daughters-in-law should leave. In other words, that, that, uh, that's a tape, they should go out and not come back. Tolid binsa, you should have daughters. And the daughter's husband shouldn't die, that they should come back home. <laughs> that was the, uh, the, uh, the, the marriages should, should, uh, should work. What does it mean? Your house should be destroyed and you should go live in the inn. The high alma ushbisecha. Uh, uh, this world is the temporary thing. Vahi alma, and the world to come is your real house. Tixiv korbabatim olam, and don't understand how tikrukirim elakivrim. So what he meant was is that um, that uh, what was the wording here? Let's see the Rashi. Um, yeah, it means that you shouldn't die. In other words, liquor of Beisecha, your, your, your place of eternal rest, you shouldn't have to go to, but you should be at, at in other words, basically, you shouldn't have to use, go to the cemetery. You shouldn't have to live in your house. The house. Usually, the cemetery is the place where a person spends the most time. 
he's here temporary. And so he's saying you shouldn't have to go to that uh, more permanent uh, resting place, but you should be able to stay in the temporary place. In other words, you should li- live a long life. Uh, uh, what did it mean your table should get messed up? That's with the grandkids, but never sigh, because that's what grandkids do. Uh, they mess up the table. Um, yeah, and everything else. That's, that's exactly what, uh, that's the understanding over here. I, velo texi shaita, you shouldn't see a new year. The lo tamas in secha. Your person's wife shouldn't die below tenasev in sechriti and have to marry another wife. Another wife is like a whole new life. Like a person shouldn't, that means like the year, the, uh, means the first year of marriage. You shouldn't, the year, the, there's the, uh, the first year of person, what they call Shana Rishona, that a person is supposed to take off, a, spend a year devoted to his wife. Uh, and so when he said you shouldn't have another year, it means you shouldn't have to have another Shana Rishona, another year of adjusting to a new wife. Robert Stein? Yeah. I'm just trying to make a modern day analogy. Could this be the reason why in many communities on Friday night you have this long, long line of people that lined up to say good Shabbos to the rabbi and say goodbye? As they leave the shul, the idea that when you're leaving, you say goodbye. After Shabbos, you mean? I'm saying that like, on Friday night when davening's over, mm-hmm. uh, there's like a whole lineup of people. I've been in many shuls where lineup of people, everyone's saying good Shabbos, you know, right. goodbye to mm-hmm. the rabbi as they're leaving. Is this the origin for their custom? I don't think they're saying goodbye. I think they're showing respects. I think they well, weren't in the... good Shabbos, but then they're leaving. So in a sense, like it is like. Oh, uh, I Shabbos. see. Uh, I'd have to look into. I don't know where it started. Uh, yeah, that's true. In some, uh, um, in some places, yeah, yeah. The, the you find the, it more and more like on, on the more of the yeshivish communities. I mean, you see it in other communities too. But right. I've seen the big lineups when I go to uh, shuls, more yeshivish communities. Some shuls are it's, are too big. If you would have to wait for everybody to say good Shabbos to the rabbi, you'll be there a long time. When, when I was in Houston, I was online like for like over five minutes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's if nobody stops to say more than one sentence. I see. But this is this lineup is just continuous. Uh huh. Interesting. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd have to look into that, but that's that could be. Rishima Khalift Iftimina de Rav. He took leave of Rav. And so Rav gave him a bracha. Omale, Zilagabe, Divrika, go to him and get a bracha. This was the bracha. Omale, hey, Rav, Adelo, Tivayish, Velotisvayish. You shouldn't be embarrassed and you shouldn't embarrass others. Aslagabe, his father asked him, Omale, my om, what did he tell you? He just told me his words, nothing important. He said, no. He gave the bracha that Hashem gave Yisrael. A person should eat and be satisfied and not be embarrassed. It's a big bracha not to be embarrassed. It, it, it means that a person should live a fulfilled life and not look back and say, what did I do? Uh, and, not, and also, you don't want to beat someone who's embarrassed others. It goes both ways. In other words, the, uh, the person could do good things, but if they embarrass uh, other people, so the, the bracha works both ways. You know, the, so that's actually a very strong bracha. Okay, getting back to the halacha, we said women are allowed to do their makeup on, on the yantif. What are women's makeup? Kochelis. They're allowed to paint their eyes. Even though you're not really supposed to uh, um, write things, you know you're not supposed to write in on Cholamoy. They're allowed to do the mascara and all the writings. That that's okay. And posekis, uh, pokesis. They're allowed to do pokesis. 
what was that? I'm not a makeup expert. Uh, they're allowed to fix their hair. That's the way Rashi learns it. Uh, they're allowed to, to do their hair. And they could put shrak on their face. Or, or some people say they could take off the shrak. Uh, it's, uh, this uh, shrak is, is more like the lime. They're allowed to uh, uh, get off unwanted hairs. Dipilation? Dip, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, the lapidary... Uh, um, today they get waxed. I don't know they go. They go somewhere with the Korean ladies to take care of them. I don't know what they do over there, but that's that's what they do. So some people say it's it's not their upper face; it's the lower face. They 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 take care of the hairs and stuff down there. The 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 wife of Rivkista was putting on her makeup in front of her daughter-in-law. So, in other words, she was a mother-in-law. She was older already. So, there was another rabbi there, and he said, that's only true for a young woman. But old ladies, what do they need makeup for? It won't help. <laughs> so, ouch. He said, even your mother, even your grandmother. Even if they're about to die. The army inchi bashitim kabashesh. A woman of 60 is like a woman of 6. When she hears the bells, she goes running. They like makeup, basically. They like to get dressed up. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's nothing to do with age, is what we're saying. That, uh, therefore, it's permitted because for them, that's the, the way they enjoy the holiday. It's not a, you know, it, even when they're older, they, they like putting on the makeup. Okay, Rabbi Yudah said he said no. He said they can do most things, but they can't do the... Um, so I think it's like the waxing, again, where they put the cream on. The reason why is it's painful when they pull it off. They just, you know, they, they pull off that wax. It's like, ouch. You know, it's like pulling off a Band-Aid. So Yuda says, It doesn't look nice. If, if you can remove it on Cholomoy, then, then you can do it on Moi. Even though it hurts right now, they'll be happy, on the, at least for the Moi itself, they'll be happy. Does he hold this logic? But tonight we learned. There was a question like this: You're not supposed to. When they lived amongst pagans, they weren't supposed, and it was before a pagan holiday. They weren't supposed to do something that the pagans would celebrate on their holiday. So they were allowed to collect debts from them. because uh, they're not happy. No one's ever happy to pay money. But even though they don't like paying, they're happy afterwards that they paid their debts. He says all the laws of Moed are things that are, on the short term, they're a pain, but you'll be happy that you do them. The whole idea of working is that you're, uh, it's work, but you're happy to do it because you'll have a result that you can celebrate the holiday. Ravina says, he said that the, the Kusim, they're never happy to pay, even afterwards, because uh, if they can get away without paying, they will. They try to stiff people. So therefore, that was somebody who knows they're going to pay anyways is finally happy they paid the bill. I had to pay it. I'm glad I took care of it. A Kusim's never happy because they actually don't like to pay. Oh, you don't. So we talked about the women wanting to, to remove their hair uh, doing things to do the waxes and things. So there's, he says that daughters of Israel, when they reach the age of puberty, but they're not really old enough to be uh, at that age. Uh, so Aeneas, so basically when they start growing hairs, and when they're young, 
Some people might notice that they're starting to grow certain hairs. So the poor, the poor girls, Tofa Ozbesid, they use lime to remove the hairs. Ashiris, the wealthy ones, so they can use good, they can use flour. They can, uh, benos malachim, they can use b'shem and hamor. They can use the fancy oil. Shnamer, shisha kadashim b'shem and or. It says by in the Megillah that they had the women remove the, their, their unwanted hairs with shem and more. What shem and more? Sitakis. He said it was sitakis. Which is like a like a balsam oil or um Ravimi Barami says that shemin zayis it was olive oil that, that didn't grow a third. That's very strong oil. Tanya, Ravidomara Apiktokan what is Apik Nuna? Shemin Zayesh, it's this olive oil that was picked early. Volama Sak and also why did they smear themselves? Shemasha SSR, it removes the hair, Umanasabas, it makes the the flesh look healthy. In other words, it would women like to look have a a color to their cheeks. They look white, it doesn't look good. So when they put, put this on their face, it makes them uh, look red. Rabibi more brings the story, Havile Barta, Tafla Eva Averit. So uh, they, the daughter, they used to give her the treatment with the lime. They did it limb by limb. Shokobe, the daughter, when she was married, marriageable age, she was beautiful. And uh, she didn't have any unwanted hair. And she had a good complexion. And he got a dowry of Dalin Zeus uh, for this daughter because she looked so beautiful. So he had a neighbor who was a Samaritan. The Havile Barta also had a daughter. So Tafla, he figured, well, if Repapa's daughter looks so beautiful because they did these uh, hair treatments, so he did it, but he, he did a rush job, Umesa, and he killed his daughter. And he always played his neighbor. He said, Katla Bibi Lebesi. Don't, uh, Bibi killed my daughter. He did it for the 400 Zeus. Yeah, that's right. All right, now, the Shasi Shikra. He says, uh, so the other rabbis, they didn't necessarily follow this. So again, why the Gemara brings this, there must be some spiritual reason why it talks about removing the hairs and, the, and their daughter. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it symbolizes, but I'm telling you there's something here. So the question was, Rav Nachman felt if the great Rav Bibi did it, so why don't we do it? None of our daughters, we, we don't really do it anymore. It's too expensive. We don't have our young daughters going for the wax treatments. So he says... Rabibi de Shasi Shikra. Rabibi was famous. Uh, he was a beer brewer, so he he and his whole family drank beer. Boy Benosa So beer apparently makes you grow hair. So his daughters needed that treatment. Ananda lo Shasi Shikra. We don't drink beer. Lo boy Benosa Our daughters don't need uh, need to have that kind of stuff. Okay, get it. Who's, who's saying that? This was Reb Nachman. Rabibi? About Rabibi. He said, the oh, reason we don't do it is we, we don't drink beer, so we don't really have this, uh, we don't have to remove the, 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 the hairiness that comes with drinking beer. But, but he did do that because that's how he got the diary? Or was that somebody else? No, that was just his trade. That was his business, was he was a beer, a beer brewer. No, right? no, that's Rabibi. Right. right. So Rav Nachman was saying that, he was trying to explain why is it that the, the great rabbi uh, felt this was an important thing to do for their daughters, and in his city, in his place, they didn't do it for their daughters. So he said, uh, we didn't need it because we're not in the oh, beer business. No, that's that, the that, that's oh, the response. Uh, but uh, if anybody has a chance to find a deeper meaning, let me know. I don't know. The, have a great Shabbos, everyone. Of the, yeah, okay. Just wanted to 